0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Tech and Big. We're live again today from the Celtic Corner in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And today we're gonna be talking about an area of technology that really affects all of us, and that's retail technology. Um, You know, if you're like me, probably every day you go into a retail store. So we're gonna be talking about uh, some of the trends in the retail sector, some of the technologies that are available to retailers today, and how those technologies really impact uh, the user experience inside the stores. And, and that kind of brings me to our, to our guest for today. He's get, his name is uh, Matthew Brannan. He's the CEO of Maplewave uh, Software in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Welcome, Matthew. Very great, thanks for having me. Appreciate Welcome it. to Tech & Beer, cheers. Yeah, cheers. So, it's, uh, glad to have you. And um, yeah, we're gonna be uh, hopefully picking your brains and learning some, uh, some things from you about, about technology in the retail sector. I absolutely love it. love it. So, tell me about your background. How long have you been in retail technology?
1: Um, so personally I've been involved in retail itself basically my entire professional life. Okay. Um, so I came from a family of entrepreneurs uh, who had a chain of musical instrument stores. Um, so we had uh, about uh, uh, 10 stores throughout the Atlantic provinces, yeah. um, so a fairly big operation. Um, so I was involved everywhere from supply chain and, and, and warehouse all the way through to uh, the sales side of the business and eventually through to the management side. Okay. Um, so I've got a very uh, long story background in, in retail, um, and then pivoted to the technology side of retail uh, about 10 years ago. Um, so focused on now the system side of managing, running retail, and basically all the things associated with
0: Interesting. it. So even even in that, um, so during that period, you would have seen lots of changes from a technology perspective.
1: Oh, big time, big time. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember um, shortly before we, we got out of the, uh, the music business, that was sort of the dawn of of e-commerce um right. and the amount of uh, uh fear and you know disruption that that brought mm. uh, what's going to happen to our brick and mortar business um you know was, was really really interesting um one of the things that i've learned um, being in this industry as long as i have is that things never happen or change as quickly as a lot of the futurists or prognosticators would would have you believe right. um, you know it's usually a slower burn uh, it takes a longer time for certain technologies to be adopted, yeah. um, because ultimately, uh, unless there's a neg- uh, a positive impact on the customer experience, ultimately the consumers embrace that technology. Yeah. Um, it can take it can take a while. Right.
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, d- during your experience, what's been the biggest change? Is it, has it been the e-commerce play?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, uh, nothing's disrupted the customer experience, I would say, more than that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's been really interesting because, you know, in my in my opinion, you know, retail itself has been massively overbuilt, um, right. especially in North America. Uh, it's, it's so a lot of the contraction that you're seeing today. Um, yes, a lot of it's obviously due to the to the e-commerce pressure, um, but also I think part of it is the fact that it was so massively overbuilt. Um, that, that now you're starting to sort
0: of see that equilibrium and, and balance start to find itself. Um, like a normalization of the of the market. Kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That um, makes sense, yeah. Uh, I never thought about it like that, but it yeah. definitely makes sense. And when you when you kind of you talk about trends and, and uh, news items that we, we see with e-commerce and retail, obviously the big one is uh, Amazon buying Whole Foods recently. Right. And then in kind of response to that, Walmart partnering with Google um, what what do you think of those uh, kind of positionings of those big companies doing that?
1: I think it's a natural evolution in, in the space. Um, you know, I, I always look at things in terms of pendulums. And you know, if you talk to people five years ago, um, you know, e-commerce was eventually going to wipe out all of retail. You know? <laughs> right. Um, of course, that's never never going to happen. Um, so what you see is the the big players in e-commerce like Amazon investing now into the brick and mortar side. Um, which really gives them total control uh, over the customer experience. And I think you'll see more of that from, from Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. investing in more brick and mortar type, type entities. Yeah. Uh, and It's not surprising that Walmart responded. And, and I think really what it's about is consumer choice. Um, you know, To create the best customer experience, uh, I don't think you can be firmly entrenched in one camp or the other. I think you need to be able to give the consumer the choice to interact and transact with your business yeah whatever way they want to, um, in the most efficient, uh, frictionless way that, that, yeah. that they possibly can.
0: Uh, that makes sense, and and really, I guess, in, in a sense, the, the retail giants like Walmart and, and those kind of companies, they look at what's happening to some of those today, yeah. so if they don't adopt the next new technologies and partner with, with those uh, big organizations, and probably there's that, that fear there that you mentioned before that maybe they'll get caught napping and uh, turn into the next... Toys R Us, or absolutely every
1: every industry is open open for disruption. Um, So you know you can just you can see it happening everywhere. You know uh, you you see especially in things like the the Uber type um, uh, companies, Airbnb, Um, and it's just it's gonna it's gonna continue to happen. So especially the the larger um, more established retailers, uh, you can you can just see it. The 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 market is saying which ones have adapted and and which ones have not. I mean you're seeing them close up shop regularly. Um, some of them are shocking to me, uh, like Sears for me is a shocking one
0: right. Sears
1: Sears was the original Amazon yeah, they originally with the robot catalog that was that was the analog version of, right. of Amazon, um, so they, they already understood the business model and somehow
0: didn 't quite make the leap or the connection and even till the very end, it seemed like their board or whoever was in charge didn 't make the connection of what they had to do yeah and they could have done it they could like have there, there was no reason it was just a, a poor decision-making. They, they absolutely opinion.
1: could have. Um, and, and Toys R Us is another one uh, for me where they, it, the thing about Toys R Us that was great when you were a kid is there was no online, you know, shopping. Right. So when you walked into a Toys R Us, it was like floor to ceiling of toys Yeah. everywhere. And what an, you know, awe-inspiring, wonderful experience for a kid. Um, but they can get that kind of online now. And what I found with Toys R Us is you'd walk in and it was just a very much not a very compelling, not a very interactive experience. And and I felt that if they were going to compete with the e-commerce side of the world, well, invest in the experience. Make it a destination place again. Make Mm it a reason for kids to want to be able to go. Uh, Maybe more things where they can interact and play with the toys um, and and that kind of thing. I think that's one of the big leaps that a lot of retailers need to make now is give people a reason to go and shop. And quite often you're seeing the opposite. They're pulling back on staff. They're pulling back on customer service. Um, You know, you go into some of the big box like sports places, Uh, you know, they have 20,000 square feet and two or three people working there. Yeah. Um, Now, I get why they do it because it's, you know, reducing cost, but it's a bit of a double edged sword. Yeah. Um, So so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next uh, sort of five to 10 years, whether we see a return to more of an investment in customer service and and in store experience.
0: It's interesting you mentioned the experience because I I remember, I don't know, it must have been 25 years ago now. uh, in, in the UK they were starting to really build out these big giant supermarkets. Yeah. And I looked at one and it was like, this is just a warehouse. Yeah. Just a big warehouse. It's, from an experience perspective, uh, there's not a lot to it from, from me as a customer going in and I'm just walking around a warehouse. Yeah. And so if you think of Toys R Us, what you just said and and what it felt like as a kid to walk into a Toys yeah. R Us, that there could be so many experiences there that a kid would just love, right? That was just could, the online world couldn't compete if yeah. they did it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that yeah. Makes sense.
1: And what you're seeing um, from a lot of retailers is, you know, they, they will have their big flagship stores um, in the major urban centers, yeah. where they're trialing um, a lot of the new technologies and really giving it that, you know, kind of amazing reason to go, uh, here's all the different ways you can interact with our products, our services, yeah. and that kind of thing. The interesting question becomes, um, you know, is it scalable? Um, so Amazon Go is a great, a great example. I mean, what a wonderful thought experiment. Um, yeah. Really, really neat experience, <coughs> great idea. Um, but, so if
0: anybody watching it doesn't know what Amazon Go is, do you wanna?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So Amazon Go uh, is, is, a, is a project that Amazon did to basically create, um, for lack of a better term, a convenience store that you can walk in as an Amazon customer and walk out with your products without ever having to pay or do a traditional transaction. I love that idea. Yeah. So you just go in, you you pick (laughs) up up what you need (laughs) and and you walk out and it it really is a brilliant idea. Um, But under the hood of what it took to get that off the ground um, is is staggering. Uh, You know, it took them years of development, a company with limitless resources. Um, you, you know, you walk in, the entire roof is basically, uh, ceiling is covered with, with cameras. Right. Uh, so you're talking about this massive, massive, multi-multi-million dollar investment in order to sell water and sandwiches, yeah. right? So, so at this point, it's not a, it's not a scalable um, um, enterprise, but it certainly uh, sort of puts a, a stake in the ground as far as, as, far as what is possible. And, right. now, and now you're gonna see companies out there, technology providers, Finding ways to take that model and make it make yeah. it scalable. I just think it's going to take some time before yeah. before that becomes kind of a,
0: a reality. That makes sense. Yeah. So obviously we've, we've talked a little bit there about some of the big companies. What kind of technologies are there available for you know the small, re, smaller kind of regional retailers or one store retailers?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I think the the big thing that's happening in the industry is that for smaller retailers, you know, sort of back in the day. Um, It was very difficult for them to get a retail system uh, that was kind of robust, that could manage a lot of their business, um, and was from a reputable enough or big enough provider that it would be able to stay with kind of the current trends. So now you're seeing companies like Shopify kind of democratize um, uh, retail systems so that you can have everything from that in-store experience to that e-commerce experience, and it's all integrated. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that's completely, um, from a customer perspective, um, fairly frictionless as to whether I want to go shop in-store right. or whether I want to look at what your your e-tail um, yeah. uh, suite has to offer. So that, that's one, one big thing that I've seen that that's very different from, say, what was available 10, 10 years ago. Right.
0: And Shopify, uh, again, another kind of uh, great Canadian company yeah. success story that, uh, Based in Ottawa, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, growing fast. What a what a great story to have that kind of company. Relatively local.
1: It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's really really fantastic what they're doing. You know, they're they're kind of, um, in some ways, like Salesforce was back back in the day, kind of disrupting um, a segment of the industry. You know, completely cloud based. Um, so yeah, the stuff that they're doing is is terrific. Like I said, the the democratization, they, making this great uh, retail platform available for kind of everybody is, uh, is, a, yeah. is, a, is a really great thing. Um, and, it's, and it's a product with some, you know, they're, they're really building the robustness of it. Um, where a lot of these web-based kind of download type retail systems historically are like very lightweight and kind of flimsy yeah. and if you've got a single shop it's probably fine, um, but if you're starting to look into like multi, uh, you know, multi-store type, type, type installations, um, they start to fall yeah. down pretty yeah. quick.
0: I actually I worked on a project uh, uh, fairly recently with um, where a store was looking to track its employees walking yeah. around the store uh, that was kind of neat it was uh, using the uh, wireless AP technology yep. and uh, identifying people who you can even identify people who walked past the store and didn't go in every right. day so that they why, why aren't those people coming into our store what do we need to do and yeah. track kind of how they moved around the store how long they spent in different sectors in the store uh, I learned a lot just uh, being part of that project. It was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a, it, that's a really um, that's a technology that's that's starting to f- get a lot more legs. It's starting to get a lot more. Um, it's starting to become a lot more uh, useful and, and applicable. One of the problems we, we had before was um, now it depends what type. There's a lot more technology now to do that as well. Um, you know. Uh, so when you start looking at some of the cameras that are available now to do that heat mapping work, um, it's really interesting And when you start integrating that with your retail systems uh, there's all kinds of different things so you have to your point you know you have your traffic outside of the store so you can look at how much traffic is going by the store during which days, during which peak hours, Um, what things perhaps can you do from a storefront perspective to attract more customers so you can say you know we tried this display or this customer interaction for a period of time, and we got this amount of conversion, so storefront conversion, uh, and then we did this, and we got this much storefront conversion. So you can start to measure whether the things you're doing to attract customers in are are working or not. Or even your larger, more macro kind of marketing plays. Um, But then once they're in the store, uh, you know, the ability to see where they go in the store, how much time do they spend where, uh, starts to give you insights around how do you merchandise, which products do you you put where, um, and then you know depending on what you're doing from a qualification perspective so there's a lot of technologies out there now where you can qualify uh, have a customer so it's kind of queuing type technology but you know maybe less the static kind of interactive stuff and yeah. more you know maybe it's a tablet in a salesperson's hand uh, so when you start to look at why a customer's come into a store uh, yeah. what their needs are then you can really start to measure conversion so yeah. the, what did the person leave with what they came in for Right. And perhaps did you expand what they came in for so the person came in for some type of an accessory, but you ended up selling them a service or a core product as well instead yeah uh, so it really starts to help you um, improve you know your salespeople interaction um, quality of sales um, really start to understand your customer um, yeah. better better as well
0: so is that the space that um, you know Maple wave uh, plays in what Tell me about what Maple Wave and, and you guys are doing over there.
1: Yeah, so so Maple Wave um, at our at our core is a is a retail transformation um, organization. So we do that through a combination of both technology and services. Okay. So on the technology side of our business, uh, our core business is everything uh, involved with a customer's greet to pay experience across basically all channels. Um, so we support everything from your standard kind of in store interaction to you know self-care type type interactions to online uh, supporting the e-commerce uh, experience as well. Uh, so and within that uh, you're looking at you know your sort of standard kind of POS type 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 transactions. but we also do all the supply chain inventory logistics. Uh, we have for example, most of our clients uh, have contracts so we work mostly with telcos and, and carriers. Okay. So, we have a digital contract um, product as well. Uh, so, everything that involves um, you know, re- taking friction out of that experience between a consumer and a telco is, is kind of where, where we're focused. So, what we refer to it as is like the presentation layer. So, telcos have all these back end systems and all these different things that have to be kind of orchestrated and managed in order to facilitate uh, consumers' interaction with them. We just bring that into a single interface, something that's simple, easy to use from a consumer perspective whether I'm transacting online or in store, everything looks and feels the same, same way. Right. Uh, so that's kind of where, where we uh, focus ourselves mostly. Yeah. Um, and we're fairly uh, uh, focused on the telco space, so we don't have a lot of deviation into other, into other verticals. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of unique challenges on the telco side, which is why we, we, right. fo- we focus there.
0: Well, it's certainly um, it's good to specialize, because then you can get really good at, at yeah. you know, one particular set of problems. And one particular set industries challenges. So that's that's awesome.
1: Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the nice thing with telco is that uh, with all the disruption happening in retail today, um, they're the one one of the industries that's been more insulated from a lot of the uh, <laughs> sort of the, the, the typical kind of e-commerce pressure that you're seeing from more standard retailers. So the ones that can be disrupted by Amazon are are clearly being disrupted by by Amazon. Yeah. Telcos, it's a bit a bit trickier because. They have um, a massive, massive amount of network infrastructure. Um, people still really are passionate about their devices. I mean, it's, it's not just a thing. Um, you know, people want to go in and touch it and feel it. Um, so in some yeah. ways, Telco has been largely insulated from, from a lot of the sort of standard retail
0: disruption. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's, um, I don't know about you, but I probably half of my day, my device is in my hand, right? So, uh, so if you're going to have it that much contact with it, you want to go in and touch and feel it and try a couple. Of how big the yeah. screen? Do it. You know, do I like it? And definitely. Yeah, definitely, so that makes sense. And yeah. one of the other
1: things we learned is that you know we we do a lot of business uh, in in emerging markets. So uh, we're deployed in probably between forty and fifty uh, different countries around the world right now. Wow. Um, and what we've learned is that telcos are are in some ways very insulated from um, economic fluctuations. Uh, okay. Basically, what it comes down to is that. The number, the, the two things that are most important to people is, uh, you know, I got to eat, right, and I got to pay my phone <laughs> bill. Uh, so, so, so it seems It's an it interesting. Seems interesting
0: priorities. It really, yeah. it really is yeah.
1: interesting. Um, so, so we've noticed that that, you know, from an economic perspective, that that industries, you know, it, it's under constant pressure, but mostly the pressure that they're under is from each other. Uh, so right. it's the battles between the various competitive carriers. Lower cost. Price compression, race yeah. to the bottom. Uh, so that's where they get a lot of their, um, sort of, you know pressures economically, less from the overall market.
0: So how big is your um, kind of R&D team here that's kind of researching the challenges? and.
1: Yeah, so uh, as an organization, um, we're, we're just north of 100 people. Uh, most of our uh, company is here in Halifax, but we have a uh, office in Johannesburg as well, and we have some resources uh, in the UK. Um, our R&D team is based uh, here in Halifax, uh, which is about uh, I'd say about 30% of our, of our entity here. So when you look at everything from you know, uh, developers to product managers, um, BAs, QA, the whole, the whole kind of team that's involved with that. Plus, we have a very strong link between our product team and our sales organization. Um, so you know, products always involved uh, in being out talking to customers' prospects. Assessing what the needs in, in the marketplace are we have uh, we do a ton of prototyping So when we're looking at bringing a new product or exploring whether to bring a new product to market uh, We have both customer and non-customer user groups that will interact with prototypes that we build to get a feel for You know whether we're on the right track is this going to remove friction from the from the customer experience? Does this bring value um, before we actually start to you know write code and and, and make some big investments That's Interesting
0: and then do you have um Kind of partner locations that you work with that test test stuff for you and see yeah. how it goes. Or, yeah, okay.
1: absolutely. Yeah, we've got a wonderful uh, customer um, in the Channel Islands uh, called okay. uh, called JT uh, Jersey, and they're they're fantastic because they're a full quad play carrier, okay. um, but they've got like two locations. They're they're very small, very agile. Yeah. Uh, so when we want to bring new things to market or explore uh, uh, new investments, you can go over there, talk to the whole leadership team. Yeah. They're all right there. Uh, and and they have very little staff turnover there, which is very rare in this industry, sure. uh, especially on the retail side. Uh, so it gives us some you know continuation and, and consistency on that. On that I level. love the Channel Islands. It's, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: it's awesome. Beautiful, beautiful spot. Great yeah. place.
1: Yeah, we love we love visiting. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, and it makes sense that that would be a good place to, to like a trial market yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. it's perfect. It's, before we take it to some of the some of the larger customers where scale starts to become. More important, uh, it allows us to beta things quickly and, and yeah. get feedback. And they like it because they're they're the first to market with certain things, and and uh, right. you know get, get to get to have early feedback into into viability and value of some
0: of the things that we're doing. Right. Yeah. So, when when you look at retail as a whole, then and um, based on what you know, what what do you think are the next couple of things that we're going to see, you know, in the reasonable future?
1: Right. So. Uh, Sometimes I'm less exciting on this, on, this, on this topic because as much as I love to be able to get up and, and be a futurist and, and talk about all the, all the great things that are coming. Out,
0: I think that's a crazy, I see people that give themselves that title and I think, uh, futurist, yeah, it's, you're it's, in the wrong business. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's really funny because, you know, it's really exciting, it's easy to get excited with a lot of the new technology that's, that's coming out. Now, how effectively and how quickly there's uptake on it is a completely different different matter. I think the biggest the, the, the trends that you're gonna to continue to see and the investments you're gonna to continue to see is that harmonization between between all the different channels. You can still go into really big, you know, even successful retailers and see that their different channels are still very siloed. You know, they might have a Uh, corporate channel with corporate stores, they might have a dealer channel where they have privately run stores, they might have an e-commerce channel, they've got their self-care, they've got their call center, Uh, you have, you know, they've got their B2B channel, you know, all these different areas and quite often they're all very very siloed. So from a customer experience standpoint, I can do business in one channel, uh, then go to a different channel and this channel has no idea who I am, or they don't have my experience. So from a a consumer perspective, it's incredibly frustrating. You know, the amount of times, regardless of the vertical, when I've called a customer support and they've maybe had to pivot me to another part of the company um, in order to help me, uh, you know, it's very, very frustrating. Mm. So a lot of the retailers are making big investments, replacing legacy systems and getting to a point where they truly get that 360 degree view of the customer. And from, you know, buzzwordy, but from an omnichannel perspective, which really just means that as a consumer, Wherever I do business with you, it looks and feels the same. Right. Um, is is the is the is the other is the other area? Um, so from a, from a practical kind of you know pragmatic standpoint, that's that's where I see a lot of the continued investment. And of course, as we talked earlier, the the convergence between um, you know the e-commerce and and the retail world, like yeah. continuously trying to find that sort of balance and 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 you know sort of equilibrium between between those two two areas. I think. Like I said, I think you'll think Amazon do yeah. more uh, more investments uh, into brick and mortar. I think you'll see some of the brick and mortar play- players do more investment on the on the e-com side. Makes sense, yeah. yeah.
0: And the other thing that I've heard about coming out kind of as a focus this year was the was the chatbots. Uh, yeah. For, for even existing e-commerce retail stores um, being a focus for them because chatbot technology is uh, available now. But that's interesting uh, yeah. that you talk about taking down the walls and the silos and... and and, and that, as a consumer, that's what I want. I want to be able to go to vendor A and, and they know who I am and if I deal with them in different roles in my life, it's it all makes sense.
1: And that's just it. It's it's about something that the con, like consumers are great. Consumers will be very clear about what they like and, and what they don't like. Yeah. And that is something that they will they absolutely want. Uh, you know, then you take a different type of technology, you know, five years ago. You know, it was all about beacons. Beacons are going to be everywhere. Um, Now beacons have found their niches in certain areas, like places like airports, they're they're really effective. Uh, Certain retailers have done well with them. But it's a complicated technology because, you know, beacons, first of all, are not standardized. So they operate, some are Wi-Fi, some are are Bluetooth. Um, They require a consumer to have those features on their phone turned on. Uh, In order to derive any value through it, they have to actually know who you are, so you need the app. So when you start looking at scale, I mean how many different retail apps are you going to have on your phone to support so so while beacon technology has so much potential and promise in practical terms when it actually came to applying it and delivering value to consumers it's been it's been a really tough road yeah um, and as we know like you know whether you use Facebook or some of these other online being bombarded with ads about you know what they think you want is incredibly frustrating yeah. so you know, I, I don't know how great it will be from a consumer experience to walk into a store and be bombarded with offers um, when we're getting you know, completely spammed with it uh, in a lot of the technologies that we're using
0: on a day to basis. That's a very basis. good point. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think it's going to be a topic that we're going to see uh, you know, a lot more news about because it, yes. it affects so many people so, uh, so pervasively. Um, but uh, I think you're right that the change will probably be slower than a lot of people predict. Yeah, yeah. I, I do
1: think the other, the other area that, that will get continued um, investment is, is on the payment side. You yeah. know, um, we're a little bit behind can- in Canada, for example, on, you know, paying with our phones. Um, yeah. So I think that's another area, like market-wise, where we'll start to see more um, uptake and, you know, being able to transact, get in and out of stores more quickly. You know, yeah. That's another place where there's consumer benefit. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So before we go, so thanks for that, it's very, very interesting, before we go we've got to talk about the beer a little bit. Absolutely. So, when she told us what this was, she said it was a Californian style lager. Yeah. Now, what's a Californian style? I've never had one before, but um, it's a a local beer made by a a company called Propeller, who uh, they were kind of a micro-brew before micro-brews were cool, right? Yeah, yeah, they've been around
1: for a long time.
0: Yeah. But what do you think?
1: You no, know, I think it's really nice. It's, uh, it's 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 got a very refreshing uh, flavor. It's got some kind of uh, almost like kind of citrusy type uh, mm, type of notes on it. Um, but
0: uh, and it's a little a little kind of darker and almost heavier than than a uh, typical lager yes, that you would buy. Yeah. absolutely. But uh, it's delicious. It is very tasty. I could have a couple more of these. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cheers, Matt. Cheers. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, hope to speak to you me. again soon. Super fun. Thanks for another episode of Tech Beer, guys.